in all the material things that happen at Christmas time and in all the different parties you do and in all the different times you try to get together with people. And to be very honest with you, the holidays are just can be an exhausting time. Unless you're six years old. And then it's exciting. But as I was going through all of those meetings and all those parties and all that activity, my heart was grieving for more of God. In the hustle and the bustle of it all, I'm saying, God, I love this time of year. I love being apart and doing things. But Lord, I want more of you. God, I simply just want more of you. Lord, there, there's nothing on the face of the earth that is more important than you. All the stuff, all the trimmings, all the decorations. Lord, there is nothing more important than you. And I, I had to just back away from it and say, God, I want you more than I want Christmas. God, I want you more than I want anything else on the face. God, I just want you. And that's where God can come into the scene and begin to mold us and remold us and remake us. And so as 2020 is upon us, I feel like I had a precursor of the new year of just saying, God, I want more. And as, as he worked in my heart of saying, shove everything else aside, it's just about me. It's just you and me. It's, God's saying, it's just you and me. I, I love all the other stuff. Don't, don't get me wrong. You give me keys to a Lexus brand new car, I'll be, I'll be shouting. But it's just a brand new car car and I will have to park it in a self-enclosed garage and walk three miles to Walmart because I don't want somebody tearing up my car <laughs> 250,000 miles on a, on a little car that I, it was always parked out in the boondocks and I walked why? because I didn't want it to get dinged up I polished it to take care of it It's all about God. It's not about the shine of the car. It's all about God. It's not the shine of this, that's the shine of this. It's all about God. And Jesus found some men, and he said, I want to appoint you to be disciples. And Jesus prays. The longest prayer in the Bible. The longest prayer in the Bible. Are you ready for it? The longest prayer in the Bible. Are you ready for it? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 17. And I want you to realize that Jesus is talking about disciples. 
He talks about disciples. He talks about disciples. He talks about disciples. He talks about disciples. He talks about disciples. He prays about disciples. He prays. He prays. He prays. He prays for disciples. Jesus prays. In John chapter 17, he prays for himself that he might bring glory to God. You say, well, that's pretty selfish to pray for yourself. Yeah, what's he pray? He says, God, help me as Jesus to bring glory to you. Now, that's a good selfish prayer. We'd be, we all be, would be very good to pray that prayer. Let's say it with me. Lord Jesus, help me to bring glory to you, to the Holy Spirit, and to our Heavenly Father. Give him glory. Help me, Lord, to give him glory. How do you give God glory? I'm giving it to him. You say, Pastor, that's crazy. Well, why don't you get crazy with me? Praise God. God, I give you glory. 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 You say, but Pastor, you're, you're just human. You can't give God glory. You can't give God any more glory. Glory means I'm giving him his rightful dues. I'm saying, God, you are greater than anything on the face of the earth. You are greater, you are greater, you are greater, you are greater. So Jesus prays for himself in John chapter 17. And then he gets down to the disciples in verse 6. He says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. Okay, that's the disciples. And so you recognize that he's going to talk about the disciples. He doesn't use the word disciple. He calls them them, they, you know, on goes the list. But it's like 40 times he mentions somebody other than himself. And it's the disciples. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Folks, obey the word. That's the exciting part of this. Obey, obey is so much better than sacrifice. Don't, don't you understand the Old Testament was about obeying, and if you didn't obey, you had to slaughter half of your flock to get your sins forgiven. Have you ever slaughtered an animal? Have you ever been around slaughtering animals? Oh, no, that's, you know, that's, oh. praise God. I love steak, hamburger, fish. I'll never forget fishing with Bill. Bill says, Pastor, that's a trophy. I said, no, it's food. He looked at me and he said, Pastor, it's a trophy. I said, Bill, I came to eat. We're going to have fun. And watched him just fillet that good meat off of there. As a kid growing up, I grew up in farm country and got one of those jobs, you know, just got a job. My dad had to open his mouth and say, my boy needs some work. And that wasn't good. Because I got to scrub down the kill floor. Nasty. Ugly. Had to use a ladder. I mean, I mean I'm hardly old enough to say sick of them. And here I am cleaning up blood and guts and trash and ugliness. And I mean, I've watched them I've watched them slaughter. Sacrifice to the Old Testament was ugly, smelly. It's a whole lot better to obey. And, and God says, I'd rather you obey than give sacrifice. So let's just learn quick, obey. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew that certainty, that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Do you believe that God sent Jesus? Amen. Praise God. I pray for them. So what's he doing? He said, I pray for them. 
I am not praying for the world, but for those who have you have given me, for they are yours, and I have all I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I how did glory come to them? That means we can give we can give Christ glory. You just did it when you raised your hand. So God I give you glory. I give you glory. You say, Well, Pastor, I don't I don't manufacture glory. No, but you manufacture obedience and you're praising God and that gives him glory. He loves it when his kids give him praise. You can do it while you're driving down the road. You can do it while you're driving down the road. You can give God praise while you're driving down the road. Thank God I didn't hit that idiot that just pulled out in front of me. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. Nah, 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 nah. I'm leaving. they got to stay. <laughs> no, that's not what he's saying. But believe me, in a sense, that's what he's saying. But they're still in the world. And I'm coming to you, Heavenly Father. Here you go. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Protect them. God, don't take them out of the world. Don't put them in a convent somewhere. God, don't put them like on the backside of a mountain. God, allow them to walk in this world, but protect them. And I've heard a pastor say something about pleading the blood of Jesus Christ over my life, over my house, over my vehicles, over my property. God, I plead the blood of Jesus. What is that all about? Jesus says it right here. He says, and I will come to you, the Holy Father, and protect them, protect them by the power of your name. God's protection in the blood of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Good preaching. While I was still, verse 12, while, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so the scriptures would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, and I say these things, that while I am still in the world, so that they may have a full measure of joy within them. God wants you to have joy, and that is not a dish soap. That's the presence of Almighty God involved in your life that literally cleans your heart, does great things, much better than, than dish soap. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And he says, that joy, you even still in the world, so that they may have full measure of just not joy, but a full measure of joy. I've learned there's such things as teaspoons, tablespoons, and cups. All measuring devices. And I've learned that if you put too much of one thing, it can ruin all the other ingredients. You say, Pastor, how do you know that so well? I've been doing a little bit of cooking. <laughs> Minced garlic is a whole lot stronger than fresh garlic in volume. Just tell him. Just, just you know, if you want to know, talk to me later. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Verse 17, your word is truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. 
And as you sent me into the world, oh boy, as, as the Father has sent the Son into the world, verse 18, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctified myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. Okay, so these last few verses was about the disciples. Now he goes on to say that my prayer is not just for them, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I in them. May they be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity. Let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. John chapter 17. Say it again with me. John chapter 17. Say it again. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Say it again. John chapter 17. Why? Because that prayer, I wanted to get in your mind that if you say, ask anybody, well, what was the sermon about today? Say, just say John 17. John 17. What was the sermon? John 17. Well, what's it about? That's the longest prayer in the Bible. You don't want to read it. It's, it's boring. Uh, I don't think so. It sets, it sets you apart. It sets you apart. It means that Jesus is still praying for you. Jesus is praying for us. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Okay, so Jesus took these 12 disciples and he, he set them apart. He gave them this understanding that they really needed to get things tied down. And they watched him get things tied down. They were involved with him for many, many days. And they watched things that took place. And, and Paul is, has a little little writing in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of my witnesses. This is Paul speaking. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. He is passing the torch and he's saying, entrust, entrust to his son. 
he's entrusting this faith. He said, entrust. Verse 2, chapter 2, look at the beginning of it. It says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one suffering, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone uh, completes it as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crop. Reflecting on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Three illustrations about the power of success. And you're going to endure hardships. You're going to go through hard times. But he's saying, I want you to entrust. I'm entrusting you with this message. I am entrusting you with the message that God is doing something special. And God has entrusted us today with the message. And we must carry the gospel message. We cannot allow ourselves to just lollygag along in life. We've got to realize that God has a message, God has a plan, God has a purpose for our life, and we have to become more disciplined in knowing Him and sharing this doctrine that He's given us. In John chapter 1, John chapter 1, in verse 42, and He brought Him to Jesus. Jesus looked at Him and said, You are Simon, Son of John, you will be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter, which is translated the rock. The calling of the disciples. Jesus saw a Simon and said, you're not a Simon, you're a Peter. You may be a Simon today and you say, I don't know that I can be a disciple like the disciples were. Well, I want you to know that when Jesus looks at you, he sees you more and better than what you think you are. In other words, Jesus thinks the very best of you and thinks of you as being a winner at all times. So part of our process of of being a disciple is we have to get rid of the stinking thinking of I can't. Last Sunday, we preached about yielding to God. We, 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 we nailed it down pretty strong uh, about I can do, I can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when Christ sees us, He sees us uh, sins forgiven. He sees us with gifts empowerment. He sees us with His anointing upon us. And He sees us laying hands upon people and seeing them recover. He sees us Uh, sharing with our neighbor about the fact that Jesus loves them. He sees us being the person who carries the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever they go, and they're just human. We don't see ourselves that way, and so we have to look at ourselves through the eyes of Jesus. No longer can you do it. You have to allow Jesus to do it through you. You cannot live this life in this world. You have to allow Jesus to live this life in this world. 
He said He would protect us. So when fear begins to come upon you when you get into a rough part of town, you need to say, God, help me get out of this mess. God, you said you'd protect me and I'm living in this world. And know that he's there to help you. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. We have to simply can the fear and say, God, you're greater. And I'm going to open up your resources. I'm going to open up your empowerment. You're going to be there for me. Stand with me. It's going to be great to have you here today. I marvel at God's handiwork and how that He puts things together. 2020 will be a year of great challenges. There will be a lot of challenges that come your way in 2020. God knows them before they happen. And I just want to encourage you that if God knows them, all I have to do is get really close to God. If Jesus knew all about the disciples, and he prayed for all these disciples. I mean, he spent three years. He knew them inside and out. They knew him inside and out. And before he's going to be hung on the tree for the sins of all mankind, he's telling them, and I'm praying for you, I'm with you, and I'm going to believe that you're going to stay in the world, and you're going to be protected as you present the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, God is saying, I will be with you, and I will provide for you. I know what you have need of. I will be there for you.